Hey everyone, this is Mike Flanagan from Inside Bowling. Thanks for listening to the show. On this episode, we talk things over with Kevin Williams. Kevin is our guest this week, not only for being a good bowler, but he's also an aspiring musician. My co-host Matt Farber had the opportunity to perform with Kevin Williams at Junior Gold last year, performing Kevin's song, Savage Life. Today is also Matt's birthday on the program, so having a good friend like Kevin Williams was a real treat for Matt. This show, if you found it by now, is broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and you should head over to those accounts by searching Inside Bowling to watch the program and check our schedule for future episodes. If you're enjoying our show, do us a favor and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. It would mean a lot if you did. And if you really like what's going on here, head over to InsideBowling.com and check out our merch. You can save 15% with coupon code IVSHOW. Elements from today's show were intended for both video and audio. We apologize if at some point in the show you can't follow along. This is a great reminder that all of our shows are archived on our YouTube channel. So here it is, episode number five with Kevin Williams. Why do so many people have excuses to why they aren't successful? I have this going on. I can't do this. I don't have that. Like, if you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. There's no excuses of finding success. Well, everybody, it's Friday. It's Friday. And we all got goals. <laughs> we all got goals. It's Kevin Williams bringing us in with his Savage Life song. Everybody knows Kevin Williams. He's a uh, he's an awesome bowler, but he's also uh, very talented uh, at the mic. Uh, kind of like myself, actually, with this thing right here every day. Yeah. Um, so it's Friday. We've done a show all week. Um, we decided uh, with uh, all of our sponsors that we would uh, we're, we're we're renewed for another week, Matt. We're we're going to be back next week again. Yes. And we've, we've already got guests lined up. We got Randy Peterson coming next week. Chuck Gardner, Stu Williams, uh, Chris Barnes, uh, and uh, Tom Clark will join us next week as well. And we're efforting on our on our fifth guest. So uh, that's who we're going to have. But it is Dave week, uh, Matt. It's Dave week. Yes all about the days and uh we reached out to some daves and we've we've uh we've got somebody that you don't necessarily even know that their name is dave today right but before we get into our bringing our guest in uh two things number one usbc is still going with their uh webcast and if you're still watching that over there stay over there you can come join us later or watch the archive version they're putting together a great show right now answering all the questions about all the things that are going on uh, with United States Bowling Congress, Chad Murphy, Jason Overstreet, Jean-Marc Manzion, uh, Tim Berg, and Lucas Wiseman are, are conducting that over there right now. But we had to get on the air because I'm going to be part of a, a mock draft today for the PBA League. And you're going to want to tune into this on the Stu and Barnsey show, uh, Beef and Barnsey, whatever the hell they're calling their show. But <laughs> on that show today, um, I'm, I'm drafting Milwaukee. And also the atom splitters, and I get to pick an entire team top to bottom, and I've had some trade offers and things like that. But what I'm going to do today is going to be unprecedented. I am taking an an all in approach today. Uh, that my team is either going to dominate if, if it were to ever happen, even though it's fictitious, or 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 we will finish last. It will yes. be first or last <laughs> strategy. So, yeah. but I'm going for it. Right. Um, just like uh, just like Ricky Bobby says, if you ain't first, you're last. So you might as well go for it. You are in a new location today. Uh, yeah. New location at, at the grandparents' home. Yep. Uh, but the other big, big, big important announcement today is oh, today is Matt's birthday. Happy birthday, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It's uh, This is where, again, we would play those claps, right? I'm going to clap for myself, as, as arrogant as that may be. But I made it here. Happy birthday, dude. Thank you, dude. 26 years old, man. Uh, this is crazy. Feels and this good. is this entire show is dedicated to you today. Yeah. Uh, so we brought on one of your one of your. We're gonna have your one of your really good friends on. Uh, you were actually his hype man at Junior Gold last year. You guys oh, roomed right. together on the PBA tour at the World Series of Bowling, and uh, and and also having him on today on your birthday is even better because uh, I believe we're gonna do some birthday things for you today with with our man. So I'm gonna let you introduce the guest. It's your show today, Matt. Uh, cause it's oh, your boy. day. Oh boy. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. We've got a great showing, uh, some, some great viewership so far already. want to thank you again, Mike, for the birthday shout out. It's, uh, it's always good to celebrate your birthday, uh, with your friends and family. And even when you can't do it, 
because of this quarantine. It's good to hang out with everybody um, and to bring you guys an awesome guest today. Like Mike said, he's not only incredible on the lanes, um, but he's incredible in the booth when it comes to rapping, freestyle, and performing. Um, he is, without a doubt, uh, a superstar and working towards blowing up. Uh, and I can't wait to can't wait for that to finally happen. I've got my K Will original fears on, and we're continuing the week of Dave's this week with another great Dave guest. So let's bring him on. Without further ado, our final guest for Dave Week. Dave Kevin Williams. Dave, thanks for joining us on the show. Hello, boys. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, it's not his real voice. Kevin actually uh, was kind no. enough. He's got all his recording studio stuff set up. So he's actually using his recording mic that he uses when he records his music. And he hooked up his auto-tune. So Kevin's probably going to be playing around with his mic today. I'll be um, normal for the most part, for, but we'll, we'll but mess yeah. around with it. Every now and then we'll mess around. Kev, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming thanks on. Thanks for having me, guys. And thanks Happy for yeah, thank you, brother. And uh, thanks for adopting the name Dave for a day. Dave That's, number four, uh, not the most important one, but I'm a Dave today. So hey, man, everybody's important, and uh, and we thank you uh, for joining us. And for those of you that don't know, Kev, um, Kev, you've got like an interesting background. You know, you kind of moved all over the place when you were a little kid. You know, you weren't big in the youth ranks, really. You weren't, you know, you weren't like some of these kids that came up through junior gold or through team trials. Let's kind of walk everybody through what, you know, what was Kevin Williams like as a kid? You know, you were, you, you were possibly going to go to college to play basketball. Um, and, you know, we talked about that a couple of days ago. So just like, you know, give us some background. Like, how did you start bowling? Um, and how did that, how did your career progress from there? Um, I played pretty much every sport there was possible to play, uh, mainly baseball, soccer, basketball, um, bowling. I always bowled the Saturday morning leagues in Springfield whenever we moved here. But yeah, like you said, uh, my dad was in the Navy for 20 plus years. So we wow. traveled all over the world. I mean, we lived in Guam, Singapore, you name it. We've been there. Um, too young to really remember much of it. But we moved here when I was in second grade and just played all the sports I could play. And bowling was probably the least important one until junior year. We won state. I was on the all-state team um, all three years. And uh, Casey Murphy, which Mike knows who Casey Murphy yeah. is. You do, oh, too yeah. as well. you do too as well. Yeah. Um, after my senior year, he approached me, and he wanted to help me get on the bowling scene, take me to tournaments, um, and just get my feet wet. He gave me used equipment all the time. Um, honest to God, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be a bowler today because I didn't know that you could make money bowling. I didn't know anything. He bowled with Chris Barnes at uh, Longview Doubles forever ago. And uh, I asked Chris, he's telling me about bowling and all this stuff. And I'm like, so what do you do for like your actual job? I didn't know that bowling was like a real job. So I asked Chris Barnes, like, what do you do for an actual job? And he's like, I just bowl. And I'm like, oh, you don't have like, because Casey has like a real job. Right. So I was like, oh, you don't have like a nine to five at the desk job? He's like, no, I just bowl. And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I just did a whole bunch of other sports and then bowling um, kind of went in the right direction, like towards the end of high school. And then I went out there and I bowled a little bit of adult stuff, trying to make some money. I pissed off a lot of people because I had a bad temper, as every 18 year old seems to have. And then here I am now. I mean, that's what I do full time work in the pro shop for the greater Ozarks, um, enterprise park lanes in Springfield and coach when I can, when I'm in town and just try to better myself within the industry. Nice. And so you mentioned, you, you've messaged, you mentioned, excuse me. Um, you work, uh, at the pro shop for one of the biggest tournaments in the country, the greater Ozarks, it's a huge tournament. Don't really care about the tournament. Don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about something probably a little bit more important. Have you ever seen the show Ozark? <laughs> I've seen everyone's talking about it right now. I've seen the first half season. Um, th for one, it's not filmed at the Lake of the Ozarks, and they okay. make it look way worse than it is. We don't have that many crackheads running around. It's not. <laughs> it's nowhere near that bad. But I haven't seen too much of it. But everyone likes it. But yeah. no, it wasn't even. It was filmed in Georgia somewhere, so it wasn't That's actually great. at the Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, I can speak to this for a minute on the Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I'm a huge fan of the show Ozark. And as a child, my parents had a condo at Lake of the Ozarks, and we went there every weekend for three years in a row. Uh, 31B2 was the unit number at the uh, the Lodge of the Four Seasons uh, condominium complex there. So 
a uh, lot of time at Bagnell Dam, a lot of time playing ski ball, a lot of time eating delicious food and spending time on the lake and watching the firework displays on 4th of July. So this show, I'm totally into it because it brings back childhood memories. But you're absolutely right, Kevin. This show was shot in Atlanta, a suburb of Atlanta on a small lake. Wow. But a lot of the aerial footage that they use is from Lake of the Ozarks. And my favorite part about that show is how Marty Bird gets put in these situations that anybody else would flip out and it would ruin their life. Not not their day, not their month, not their year, their life, right? Yeah. And he just takes it like it's just like, okay, got to do this now. And he just moves on. So yep. uh, Lake of the Ozarks is a great place, though. I would like to retire there one day. So I just want to let our, our fans, all 11 of them today, that that I want to retire there. And Kay Will, uh, if you want to come down there uh, and hang out with us, we'd love to have you there, buddy. Perfect. I love the lake. Not you, though, Matt. Not you. No, no, I don't, I don't want to go. No, pooper. I'm going. Yeah, no, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. I can't see Matt at Party Cove. He's... He's a party pooper. He's too nice of a guy. He's grandpa. Grandpa Matty Ice. Oh, he can't hang. Me and my girlfriend are going to watch Netflix and chill tonight. You guys have fun at the party code. Kevin always makes fun of me. Don't get me started. Like, yeah, here started. we go. This is Kevin. Kevin, as close as Kevin and I are, Kevin uh, always is uh, very quick to roast me for my fashion, for my lack of, oh. um, I don't know. For my, my lack it's of out of love fun, I guess. it's out of yes, love it's all out of love and uh kevin and i have a great relationship you know mike you always get you have those relationships with certain people kevin and i bond over will ferrell movies it's one of the many things that kevin and i have in, uh, that that we love and we talk about all the time um and i'll never forget we were bowling holiday doubles a couple years ago and, and i came off the approach kevin was just <laughs> talking to me uh and he was watching me bowl and then i was gonna watch him bowl later in the day and, uh, you know, we just, we talk in public, you know, I think everybody knows this, you know, you have your really good friends where you can make references to one another and nobody else understands what you're talking about, but you guys know what you're talking about. So Kevin and I will always throw back and forth. Um, we'll throw back and forth some like Will Ferrell lines from different movies and stuff. And some of them are like wildly inappropriate and everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? What are you saying? And we're like, guys, it's not just us being weird. It's, um, it's, uh. You know, it's it's just us bonding. Um, and then, you know, another thing we have in common, we got up on the, on the screen here, Brian O'Keefe. My name is Kevin. I spell it with a couple of E's. Brian O'Keefe. Um, please, you know, please. <laughs> Kev, you worked with Brian um, on numerous different occasions. What was that like? And how is it, you know, I think over the years, two-handed bowling is becoming more and more common, of course. But what is it like, you know, to try to find people that are very knowledgeable about the two-handed game, which is still relatively new when it comes to coaching, um, and what have you learned when it comes to coaching two-handed bowling that's probably a little bit different than when it comes to coaching one-handed bowling? There's, I'd say it's half and half. There's a lot of similarities to a two-handed game that you can apply from a one-handed game as well. Um, when I coach, a lot of people think I can only coach two-handed lefties. Um, if I'm coaching youth or league bowlers, whoever it is, they're like, well, I'm one-handed righty. And I'm like, I, it all applies. It all applies. But the beauty of the bowling industry is you build relationships with people and they always span to other relationships. Um, you know, I met Brian very briefly when he bowled the Ozarks with Bob Trout, who backed me for a little bit. It was pretty much just a, hey, this is Brian Keith. He's one of the best coaches in the world. He's a great two-handed coach. And I was like 19. So I was like, uh, hey, sir. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, becoming good friends with you and when you live with them, I got to stay at their house and the O'Keefe's are honestly the nicest people in the industry. I mean, they'll let anyone in, they'll help anyone for free. Um, I got to hang out with them, talk with them. And when you get around people like Brian and Shannon, like they just have so much knowledge. You want to hear it all, but you don't want to just have them just talk to you about bowling the whole time. So you try to back off when I get around Brian, I don't usually like talking a lot of bowling, but when I get around him, any chance I can be like, what do you think about this or how do you do this or that? And then he just goes on and on and on. And it's amazing. So I've kind of had a lot of up and downs in my bowling career in the last year and a half. And uh, I've reached out to him a couple of times and be like, Hey, save me. Like, what do I got to pay you? What do I got to do? Can you give me a couple of days to work with you? And he's like, come down, stay at my house. So we've done that before. Um, I mean, the guy's just a genius, you know. I mean, there's a reason he has all the credit he does, him and Shannon. They're just amazing people, the smartest people in the industry that I've ever met. And I'm glad to be able to reach out to them and not even have to ask them for anything, just be like, hey, how are you guys doing? They're great people. So 
it's fun to work with them and hang out with them. You know, we can shoot the shit with Brian all we want. He's yeah. a fun guy. So for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and a great rapper. Yeah. Oh, Brian, great rapper. Brian's a top notch rapper. He'll come off the top of the dome with some freestyles. Um, and he's uh, he's really it surprises you. You know, he comes off as a very super serious, quiet guy. We're going to make an album. We're going to. Yeah, yes. Yes. You guys are going to make an album. Um, and you mentioned something that's probably a little bit harder to talk about is you uh, like over the past co- course of the past year or so, you know, bowling has been a little bit rough. Like it's been hard. You know, you've, you've experienced university. You've, you've won some events, you know, you've won some stuff. And you've also, you know, on the national tour, you've experienced some adversity. It's been hard. You've second guessed it. You don't really know kind of like what the future holds now with this Corona thing. Um, you know, I know when before it all happened, you were gearing up to like to say, OK, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to continue doing it. Um, what has changed, you know, like what, what is that adversity been like for you? Um, and how do you think, you know, you can continue to work through that? Uh, you know, it's numerous things, just like bowling. There's so many variables to bowling, you know, there's mental aspect, your equipment, just where you are physically. Um, we, I signed with Columbia and immediately saw success on the amateur end. the first three events I won throwing the EBI brands. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to take over the world and, um, get out on tour. And I had a hip injury for a little while and I was trying to battle that I was trying to battle because the, the tour is just a whole nother realm of bowling. It's not, I mean, those guys are the best in the world, but it's not just that it's learning the tour. You learn bowling at one level and then you get to the tour and now you have to learn the tour level and, it, and everything else is just like, you can't replicate it. When you go out on tour, the patterns you bowl on, the transition you see, the guys you're bowling against, you can't replicate that going and bowling every other weekend, every single weekend, practicing every day. You can't replicate it. You got to go out there and you got to lose to learn. And when I actually started bowling on tour, I found an, a little success early. I made a show within the first couple of events that I bowled. Um, I made a run at another show at the summer swing and things went pretty well, pretty quick. And then it just kind of went downhill. Like I said, I battled a little bit of an injury. Um, the equipment changed, but I also just got in my head. Um, but it's so easy. Once you start getting in a slippery slope and then you start try figuring it out in your head, it just, there's nowhere to go. And so that's kind of where I went, went to dark place of I'm trying to change my fit and my equipment and my layouts and my mechanics and this and that and this and that. And it's just an up and down. I'll see some success and I go this way. And so I've just kind of been battling that you know, this Corona thing isn't going to help because no one's really on the lanes right now practicing, but maybe it's a mental reset. Um, I don't know. It's hard, but in, as the competitor in me, when I bowl bad, maybe the first hour I'm like, I want to quit. This sucks. It's, it gives me too much, you know, stress in my head. And then after that little bit goes past, I'm like, dude, I'm better than this. Let's get after it. You know, right. let's get back where we need to be. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't think too much of it. I just try to get to be the best me I can be, really. So I have a follow-up question here, Kevin. I was paying attention to the tour this year, obviously, as I pay attention to bowling. And uh, the lefty struggled quite a bit in general um, this year for, for a period of weeks. Um, were you doing fit changes and, and trying to figure out your own game during the period when most of the lefties were struggling? Um, a little bit, yes. Um, I worked with Brian right before we went out on tour. And the, you know, when you make changes, you always will go down before you come back up because it's an adjustment period. So where they were the right changes, you know, I definitely struggled a little bit with them. And also on tour, you have to be out there, especially left-handed every single week because you never know when the left's going to have it. You never know. There's a week where you can have three lefties on the show. There's a week where not a lefty will get close to a cash. And I've only bowled a few, a handful of events, um, just things I need to take care of at home and stuff like that. So I haven't been out there full time this year and that hurts. And that also means I'm not sharp out there because I haven't been out there the whole time. So I went out there to Indy um, where I know I bowled good at and I did bowl good there. Um, And then, you know, we went out to, we went out to Vegas and everything got cut short. So it's hard. It's hard to be out there if you're not out there full time. It's just when, when, a process. When you made when you made your telecast, um, you know, it was, it was a big deal. And you have a lot of su- support. And I mm-hmm. saw a lot of people take to social media really supporting you, um, wanting, wanting you to bowl extremely well on that show. I remember Jackie Bowling was somebody that was very vocal talking about, oh, this is my man, Kevin Williams. He's on. He's, you know, he's bowling. 
um, on TV. Good luck to him today. I mean, there's a lot. There was a lot of that going on. Mm -hmm. I guess my question for you in regards to that to that week, and maybe just your game in general. That week, do you remember what that felt like? Number one. And number two, what is it about your game that when it's going right makes you one of the toughest people to beat? What is it that what's that formula for you? Um, it's funny. I do remember that week very well because that was when I was like, all right, I'm gonna start bowling full time on tour. And I remember this was maybe the third, fourth event out, been gone for a month and a half. And I was kind of getting a little homesick. I hadn't bowled that great yet. And I remember talking to my girlfriend and she's like, you better make it worth it. And I just kept saying all week, I jokingly was like, we'll see you on Sunday. You, I'll, I'll have you guys come out when I make the show. And I just, every day I said it and I kept like running it in my mind. I was like, when I make the show, I'm going to have my best friend, Jawan come over, come out and everyone. And I can't wait to see them in the crowd and get pumped when I'm bowling good. And I just kept running through my mind. And it just happened. I was, it was kind of like you just manifest it, you know, and it was awesome. But it was one of those things. Everyone has their trick in bowling. And uh, at that time, my trick was the, the slow wheel of doom with urethane. And it, whenever I can throw it slower is usually when I bowl very well. Any events where there's a lot of oil and I can throw it slow, snowman doubles I tend to bowl very good at, and they drench the lane with oil. Um, so if I know I can throw it slower, usually I feel a little better and more confident. And just like anybody, um, when you're at a high level, and not to say I'm one of the highest levels, but there's, I definitely have that sense at times where when you get into that zone, you just kind of black out. They talk about it in other sports. Like you see there's two minutes left in the game, and Kobe's like, I'm going to score eight points, and I'm going to pull out this one for my team. And they just kind of black out, and it just happens. Every good bowler, every good athlete, they experience that. And sometimes you just get into a zone, and everything's just going to go right. And you don't have to think. You just do. And that's usually when everyone bowls the best, especially me, because I tend to overthink a lot. So if I just get in the zone and I don't have to think too much and I just make shots, and that's just where it goes from there. And that's how it was all week. I just I knew everything everything was in, in flow and everything was going to go the right way. So it doesn't always happen. But when it does, you just got to take advantage of it. It also just goes to show that when you do make a telecast um, the next week, you, you, you reset and it's a whole new week. It's a new oil pattern. It's a new bowling center. And you could come off of that high and it could be the last time you ever make television. Yeah. For a lot of guys on tour and, and that, and that's tough to deal with uh, being a professional bowler. It is, you know, and nothing's guaranteed for us as bowlers. You look, you can't compare it to other sports because you know, the salaries that bowlers get made with their contracts and stuff, they're not millions and millions of dollars, life changing money. We have to perform to make the money we want to make. And it's not as much as everyone else. So it's hard. It, it literally doesn't matter what you did last week. So yes, you can gain some momentum and gain some confidence and start seeing things the right way, but you never know when you're going to do the right thing or play them right or let them fall. It just, it doesn't matter. You never know. You can't control those things. So I bowled good at Indy. And then the next week I probably bowled awful. And it was like, what the heck, you know? And that did run through my mind. I, after I made the show, all I could think about was, don't be like a one and done guy. Don't be the guy that snuck on TV one random time. And then that's it. You know, Oh, Kevin, he made a telecast that he just kind of got hot, you know, whatever happened. And I made a run at another show at the summer swing. And I was very like a month or two later. And I was, you know, very good for me mentally to know that, okay, it wasn't a fluke. I didn't just get lucky and the left was nice or whatever. Cause you never know. And everyone's just working harder and harder and the talent's crazy right now. Um, the young people that are out on the tour are just ridiculous. And it seems like they just have no effort to it. So it's just a constant battle of trying to compete and stay close to the best in the world. So it, it gets tough. It definitely does. Matt, what do you say you get to some of our questions here? Yeah, so we got a great question from uh, Gray over at the Ringing Ten. What are the similarities between rapping and bowling? Similarities between rapping and bowling. I would say they are two of the most frustrating industries in the world. Um, I, I'm glad that I have a job and I'm happy with what I do and I can coach. And even if I'm not bowling great on tour, I still have a job running the shots, whatever the case. Um, because music is frustrating to wake up every day and see these ignorant people and these people that are making fools of themselves, but they're touring the world and getting millions of streams and views and all this stuff. And they, I feel like they have no talent at all. It's tough. So where they're similar is it's very frustrating. It's a roller coaster ride always. You never know when you're going to bowl good and you can't control that. You can only control like 
your mental process, your execution, but you never know when you're going to knock them over. You'll never know if a song's going to be good, get publicity, get streams. So you're always going off of just trying to be the best you you can. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. They're very similar in that aspect. I'd say that's probably the only one, but that's the most important one. And it's the most stressful one. So I'm glad I do music just for the love of it. Otherwise I would have quit by now, honest to God, because I see so many people that just blow up immediately. And I'm like, these guys don't have any talent at all. And I feel like I take music, you know, to another level when I'm, instead of just making something stupid and for TikTok dance or something like that, I want to make a sound. I want people to feel things. So whenever I see people that make something that they don't even rhyme half the time and they have 45 million views, I'm like, this is great. At least I can strike on house shots sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Kevin, I remember when you, uh, when, when we approached you uh, as a group at Ebony International at the time about uh, potentially doing a song when you first signed on with a, with a bowling ball with Savage Life. And, um, you know, it was accepted pretty well in the bowling industry. But when you talk about just dealing with uh, you never know what's going to happen with a song and you're being judged through your lyrics, through the way that you deliver the song, to the way that it was cut. Uh, I remember when that song came out, I, I, I sent you a message. There was another person in the bowling industry that thought that you had dropped a, a very controversial word that uh, Kyle Larson from NASCAR this week lost everything over. And it's not in your lyrics whatsoever, but because you go so fast with, with, with what you say through rapping, uh, you know, somebody took that in as you saying a derogatory, one, the word, one of the, my opinion, the worst derogatory yeah. word that there yeah. is. In that world. Um, and so that just goes, that's an example that I dealt with you on one track. So I can't imagine what you've had to go through. You know, everyone, when you talk about people that are famous and being in the light and they complain about having problems, you're like, Oh, it must suck to have millions of dollars. And I, I see very little, I, you know, when I made the show, I saw people commenting hate, hateful things and being rude. My music, I used to have a couple of people that I had to block when I first started music because people would just trash me and put hundreds of comments saying that I'm whatever. I don't even want to remember what it was, but you just got to block that stuff out. Um, easier said than done because I don't, I really don't get offended by what other people think. And I'm very grateful to have that mindset that I just don't really. You know, but sometimes I catch myself where I'll look and I'll see someone say like, God, this guy sucks. Why is he making music? And then I'm like, do I want to reply? No, I don't really care. No, but it, it, it'd be hard if I was on like a bigger scale. I, I can only imagine. I wouldn't, I don't think I'd ever be on my social medias, which most people that are high up in the music industry, they don't run their social medias because they probably, you see the people that get caught every once in a while make fake Twitters and stuff like that to reply to people and stuff. It'd be hard not to say something, but you just got to let the music talk for itself. Um, you as a person talk for itself. You can bash me all I want, but if you have nothing to really go off of, if you know I'm a good person, if I promote the right messages, then, you know, you're just talking. One more music thing here. The three of us were at a piano bar at Junior Gold. <laughs> Such a good time. It was that was so amazing. And on, and on that particular night, you know, I, I observe things and I always have uh, always have intent and I'm always trying to gather more data and information about people everywhere that I am. And that night I really wanted to figure out uh, how, how what you were listening to that they were playing at the piano bar and what maybe some of your musical influences were. And I particularly remember that night when you were requesting songs, some of the songs that you put in, I, I would not have picked for you. So could you share with our audience who your musical influences are and, and, and who, who inspires you to, to create music? Yeah. Um, it, it changes a lot because I don't like when people become mainstream. I feel like their messages and their priorities change a lot. Um, and it, it, you know, you get a lot of money and things like that. You can start talking about having a lot of money. I like the people that talk about real things. People have real problems. People feel feelings and music is the best way to deal with it. I, I don't know what I would do in a world without music. I really couldn't survive. Um, I, every song that comes on in the car, I scream at the top of my lungs. Everyone around me gets annoyed and I just can't not do it. I I'm always rapping. I'm always listening to beats. Um, so I like to listen to those people that help me, feel things. And I want to hear what they're talking about. I want to hear their journey. So a lot of the people I listen to are usually more underground or just haven't quite made it yet. Tory Lanez is very mainstream now. And I met him back 
junior year of high school, one of the most humble people in the world. He was my idol. He will always be my idol because I have a tie to him. But um, I listen to a lot of people that are on the come up that people don't really know about yet. Mike Studd might be one of them. A guy named Russell. What's the guy's name? Mike Studd? Mike Studd. He was an All-American pitcher at Duke. I got to sue that guy. You have to sue him? Yeah, because I'm Mike Studd. <laughs> he just changed his name to just mike which i don't know why oh, rappers okay. always change well, their name. Good. so we're yeah good. We're so good. yeah you're good thanks um, dave thanks dave number four <laughs> you're, welcome. you're welcome so i don't know you know back in the day when justin bieber was 12 year 12 years old and blowing up i listened to a lot of him i just like talent and i don't care where it comes from i'll listen to any type of music i I always listen to the Fifi stuff. If we ever have people over for a grill out, I can't be on the aux cord listen to music because it's going to play a bunch of sad stuff. And I like to sing and stuff. So, like, I, I just like stuff that makes you feel. And that's what I try to promote in most of my stuff. Obviously, I'll do some rapping and talk a little crap. But um, I just want to have people feel feelings. Fifi's. Yeah, that's what that's what he means by fifis. Yeah, your fifis is your fifis. I've, I've sent you a couple songs, Kevin, that I thought were kind of in your genre yeah. in your wheelhouse. I sent you a Limp Biscuit song, um, a mm-hmm. couple of others. You know, I, yeah. I'm, hey, if you ever want to give me a call, buddy, I think I can talk <laughs> lyrics here. Uh, I'm ready whenever. Yeah, that night at the piano bar, um, it was fun. That place was super dead. There had to have been so ten of us. It was, you could tell, you could tell the two singers didn't care to be there. Like they were just kind of over it. No, they were over it. Yeah. And then they start, they they were good when they wanted to be. But I remember they started like saying like, yell out some songs. And me and Matt just got on this roll. Yeah. the it was a black lady and she's played a song she's like no one knows this song and me and matt of all people stand up and we start singing with her and stuff oh, yeah. she's like okay and we're like keep them coming she i was like play some 90s baby maker music and she just starts singing yeah. songs and we're just we take over and we're screaming like louder than her and she just stops playing and just looks at us and we were just just getting our little zone time. just yeah. having I forgot, know, I forgot. Like the we, mess. Had, we had a great time there uh, that night we uh junior golds you know, it's always just such a great time, not only for the athletes, but for all the parents that get to go, for all the um, for all the professionals that get to go out there and to do their things. And so, thoughts are going out to everybody involved with Junior Gold now with uh, now with it being canceled through there. It's pretty sad. Um, Mike, yeah, I was going to just say, you know, you mentioned uh, going when we go out on the road and we work these events and stuff. I always try to pick one or two nights that we can duck out a little early and go do something. Not not anything where we get inebriated with alcohol or anything like that, or we party. Right. It up. We can just spend time together and just get our yeah. minds right and sane and yeah. edge out for a little bit. So that's exactly what we did that night. I also had a couple of people ask me this week in regards to this show and why we're doing it. And um, I, I think I came up with the right answer for it. And you two guys, because we've hung out before, I think it's I think it's appropriate to bring it up and talk about it right now with the two of you. When, when I'm out working on the road or Matt's out on the road or Kevin's out competing or even working greater Ozarks and having people come through town and stop in the pro shop, you have an opportunity to spend, I would say, 10 to 30 minutes with people individually and have a conversation with them, right? It happens all the time to all three of us, right? Yeah. doesn't matter who it is, whether this week, for instance, for me, if I'm in an event, I might spend 15 minutes with Dave Lamont and catch up with him. I yeah. might do it with Dave Ryan. Uh, I might do it with Dave. Well, Dave Watt is a different story, but we won't go there. And thanks for the positive comments yesterday, Kevin, when you were watching the show. But mm-hmm. this show right here is legitimately what we all do on the road with each other, except it's just recorded in a public forum and we're sitting here kicking it just like we normally would when we're at an event. Do you guys feel the same way? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, you know, I think we, we were our, another one of our goals is to bring a good balance of, you know, talking about bowling, bringing to light some of the things that are going on in the industry, talking to the best professionals, whether they're bowlers, whether they're business people, whether they're executives, whether they're people that just like bowling, right? They're not necessarily heavily involved, they just like it, but they have some sort of tie to it. Um, and balancing all of that out with stuff just like being normal human beings, you know, like this isn't like a prim and proper like, okay, Kevin, so when you were 12 years old, you know, like that's that's kind of not the feel of the show or the feel that we're going for. This is still, again, beta testing. This is our first week. We haven't even promoted anything ever, and we're grateful for everybody that's tuning in. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it's a cool thing. We just want to have fun. That's really the thing, you know, this coronavirus situation, um, it can be, you know, there are a lot of media outlets that are that are making it very negative and making it hard to deal with and people are losing loved ones and nobody can go do anything 
Um, so it's, you know, it's really just a way for us to try to have fun and to bring some light to this strange time in the world right now. Um, and unfortunately, you're stuck with me and Mike to do it. Yeah. And what's what what kind of fun are we having today, guys? What, <laughs> what, do, what do you guys have cooked up? Do you guys have some some music? We got a birthday in the house, Kevin. What, what, what can we do here? I yeah. don't know. I, I mean, I could give you that solo happy birthday song. Yeah, but I only I only want it if you use the auto tune. Oh, you mean this auto tune? <laughs> yeah, the Acon. Is that Acon? Like, is that is that what it's that like, is? It's like an Acon. Like pain Yeah, like Acon. Okay. I wanna buy you a drink. Oh, oh, we, oh. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get let's uh let's let's uh get our man a little birthday little birthday shout out here. Can you can you handle that for him? <clears throat> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Matthew. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> nice. The only thing I have for you today, Matt, is is the final note, Frank Sinatra style. You ready? Yep. Happy birthday to you. That's all I got. Amazing. Oh, man. It's the thought that counts. I appreciate that. I know. I know. One of of the things that I've really remembered or come to to, uh, realize is that, um, you know, the bowling industry, I think one of the best parts about the bowling industry is the people that you meet. You know, everybody says that. And it sounds kind of cliche and corny, but it really is the truth. And people are like, you know, on the outside may not understand because it's such a small niche type industry. But, you know, the people that I've met, Mike and Kev or Dave number four, you guys are just two great examples of, you know, like I'm getting all I'm getting these messages and text messages, maybe some for some people that I talk to often, some people that I haven't talked to in years, um, just, you know, checking in, seeing how everything is. And it makes me think, you know, I wish that I could spend all my time with all these people all at the, you know, at the same time, I want to hang out with everybody. I want to spend time and to be on top of like what's going on in other people's lives. And, you know, people having children, people getting married, people moving across the country, doing whatever it is. And I think that that's another great aspect, not only of just the sport of bowling, I'm sure sports in general, but going to bowling tournaments, you know, bowling tournaments our way of going to see people that you haven't seen in a long time. That's like one of my favorite reasons to go to events is like going to holiday doubles where, you know, Mike and inside bowling does the live stream. It's a blast. And sure. The bowling is great. Sure. The money is good for the prize fund and it's, it's a great tournament, but it's just, you get to see every memories and you make memories and you just have a great time. And I think that's kind of also another one of the things um, that we try to accomplish with the show is that we just try to bring on people that we, that, you know, everybody really enjoys i haven't really met anybody that's met kevin and that knows kevin or dave waka or dave lamont or dave ryan that would ever be like yeah i have zero desire to ever spend any time around those people (laughs) you didn't know me when i was 18 i made a lot of people mad when i was younger yeah well you know i think i dug out of that hole though yeah i think that's a lot something that a lot of people do i mean i know i've I've burned bridges and i've made people mad and i think that's just part something that comes with maturity it's always gonna happen um, yeah, and you know, we got a great though. question. We got a great question from Kenny Ryan, um, uh, one of your fellow lefties out on the tour. Who's also Kenny. Kenny's had some success. He's had some struggles. He's been bowling um, so much better. He bowled really well at the World so, Series. So yeah, he's really improving out in the lanes. Yeah. Um, and Kenny is a one-handed lefty, um, and you know he's saying being one-handed lefty, and he says lower end of the rev rate. I don't know. Kenny's probably got about like 440, 460. So. Quote, quote unquote on the lower end of the reverie today's spectrum. world yeah pretty yeah much. <laughs> yeah um and he says he sees the lane differently obviously you know people like jesper and jacob that are able to whether you know regardless of the fact that they hit the ball so differently you know jacob's one-handed and he's got that double jointed wrist so he can really really give that ball some action mm-hmm. um and jesper who's just like a powerhouse lefty um do you see you know and i've talked with you about this personally as friends but how does the way that you see the lane compare to the way that they see the lane? It's It makes it a little easier being left-handed because you can only place one part of the lane, essentially. Everyone makes a joke, stand on the one dot, whatever. But there's a reason for that. We can only be in a certain area. We can't cover 
a 20 board radius when it gets to bowling. So when you see Jesper striking, when you see Jacob striking, when you see Kenny striking, you usually see where they're at, at the arrows, at the dots, whatever the case. And you want to be close to that within your own way, though. Bowling has always kind of been about um, how can you do that? If Jacob is going seven to four with the urethane ball, what do I got to do to be around seven to four? Do I got to throw a little harder? Do I have to throw a weaker urethane ball? Do I have to throw a reactive ball? Where do I need to stay in that part of the lane? But it's also tough doing that as well because no one can mimic what Jacob does. He's a freak. He's a freak of nature. When yes, we're striking, no one can really mimic him. I mean, it, it, and the, so it's hard. Do you want to try to be like these other guys and do what they're doing, or do you have to find it your own way? Um, but you can't wait for the lanes just to come to you, and that's where I struggle sometimes, where I'm like, God, I, I know I could slow hook it, but it's not quite there, but let me try to slow hook it for four games. And then I throw it harder, and it looks better. So um, you you just take mental notes. Kenny was just to the right of me, and he was crushing him on the long at the World Series, throwing um, a purple. And I saw exactly where he was at at the arrows. And I saw where he was at his break point. And I couldn't quite get there. And when I was there, I couldn't knock him over. So I keep that mental note. Well, Kenny's 300 over. I'm 30 under. And he's around 10 to 8. What do I got to do to stay in that zone? Because I can't just be in a whole nother zone of Kenny and be striking like he is. So just whatever you got to do to stay within the areas that the guys are striking at. Where right-handers, you can kind of get throughout the lane with all of the traffic that you see. You can see a guy that's crossing 27, or you can see a guy that's crossing 15. There's just more traffic, more ways to play the lane. Not it makes it harder or easier, um, but you can just play the lane in a different way than you can as a left. The left, I can't just be at fourth arrow while everyone else is at second arrow. So, um, you know, it's hard. Yeah, bowling, again, you know, we talked about this past couple shows, but bowling's a sport, so many variables. So many variables, and you know, one of the crazy things is that you know people will see someone throwing ball X or ball Y or ball Z in a specific part of the lane. They say, "Okay, I'm just I have the same ball. I'm going to go get the ball. I'm going to throw in the exact same part of the lane, and I'll be fine." And you're not. You know, bowling's got so many variables. You know, you've got um, you know your rev rate. You've got your, the layout of the bowling ball makes a bit. You know, makes it makes a difference. You've got how much rotation tilt. You've got your, you know, all these things that go into your release ratio, your speed. Um, you know, I've got all these different factors that go into, you know, why bowling is so difficult at times. And that's just another layer on top of, um, you know, all the other things that go on in the sport of bowling that make it so difficult when you go out on tour. You know, when you go bowl a house shot tournament, you can get away with using six different balls and different yeah. parts of the lane and every, you know, it's, it's much easier to get to the pocket to strike obviously. But when you get out on tour, you were talking about earlier, you've got to learn, you know, it's like a different way of bowling. You have to learn these things. And over time you learn like, okay, you know, Kenny's here. And I remember one time Kenny was here and then, you know, I figured it out eventually a couple of games later and I had to be like, you know, a little bit to the right of him or a little bit to the left of him. Mm-hmm. So now that I know that, you know, you kind of make those notes. Um, but yeah, you know, that Kenny says that's a, by far the hardest part of being left-handed out there, trying to find out if you need to create what the other outliers do or try to be more, you know, more perfect at your craft. So it's, uh, it's really, yeah, I mean, bowling the perfect, out- the perfect example to that is after I signed with EBI and I went out on tour and I wasn't bowling that great compared to what I was doing the year previous, um, we got to Indy. And it was a two-hour practice session, and that's I made the show the year before. So I'm like, I know I bowl good here. I have confidence here. I do like the EBI stuff. So we're, we're, what's going on? It was an hour and a half into the practice session. I don't think I struck three times. I could not strike in the center that I just made the show at the year before. So I go up to Jacob, and we bowl on the same pair for the last 10, 15 minutes. We both have a purple hammer that's over our ring finger. He's going seven to two. I'm going about eight to two, as close as I can get to him. He throws six shots. He, I think he throws a five-bagger, and he rings a seven-pin. I throw six shots in the same exact spot. I never struck. I think I split four times, and the two times I hit the pocket, I left the dumbest stuff. I seven-tend or whatever. And so you think simply, and you're like, I got the same ball at the same part of the lane. Why does he have a five-bagger, nine spare, and I'm looking at 142? maybe maybe 142 (laughs) and i I get frustrated i'm like i just 
I just can't do what I do. I'm unlucky, whatever. And talked with Brian. I brought that up exact moment. Uh, the first time I had worked with him and he goes that pin over ring. What is that for you to your pap? And I'm like, at the time I was like, God, it has to be four and a half inches. He's like, I think that's a one inch pin for him. So you weren't throwing the same ball at all. And, you know, I just think so simply in that, at that time, I was just so frustrated. I hadn't struck at all in all of practice. And then I'm like, I'm throwing the same ball. And I knew it wasn't. So yeah, the variables, you can look at a right-hander and you can see Belmo throwing a pin over bridge ball and you're throwing a pin over bridge ball and it could be a three inch pin difference to your pap. So it's hard to like, look at something like that and say, that's probably not a four inch pin for Jacob. So it's probably a one. So I need to get a one inch pin. I don't know that I can, I can probably guess that it's going to be a little closer, but it's just crazy. Like people think so simply to those things. And that's where I struggle the most with my bowling is I know a lot about the game and I just overthink. And instead of just being like, Hey, throw a weaker ball. I'm like, well, this and that, and I need to do this and I should loft it and I should do that. And you just get too caught up in what you know and what you need to just do. And there's sometimes, a fine line. I think you have too many tricks in, in your arsenal sometimes, Kevin, I think mm -hmm. because of the way you bowl and it's so unique. Um, you do sometimes when the heads burn up, you need to loft it over the head. Sometimes, uh, to be able to create that slow hook that you like, that you're comfortable in, you try to manipulate the pattern to get to your to your comfort zone. So I think you've had success at certain times, and I think you're super way talented. And and when the pattern's correct, you're probably the toughest guy to beat in the building. You just gotta you just gotta sharpen your game and, and well round your game still. And it sounds like you've you've been trying to do that through through some pretty great coaches in bowling and bowling and and practice. Yeah, we're trying. I'm trying to simplify simplify get back to just i think that's smart making it easier because yeah. like you said i as i've grown as a bowler there's been tournaments where i'm throwing it as hard as i can up one there's times where i'm sliding at the right gutter cap and i'm hooking it i can physically do a lot of things i just don't ever but when i'm bowling bad i'm just not applying what i need to do and jack, look, jack of all trades master of none at times right yeah and, I mean, and it's like an island you're on and you're lost and and it's very frustrating but and, that's yeah. bowling that's yeah. bowling and everyone that's, deals with that everybody can can relate to that that's on on this on this broadcast today i do have to For jump sure. in with with one quick thing you guys to yeah. hijack this broadcast you displayed daniel sheppy's uh message up on the on the screen if you could do that again for me uh dan sheppy and i go way back to when I was like 16 years old working at the bowling center, he was a tour rep uh, for AMF. And when the Nighthawk came out, he's the guy that taught me about mass bias. They had the triangle marked on there uh, on the bowling balls. And, and he took me under his wing and hooked me up with some equipment way back in the day. If you talk to a lot of the PWBA stars from the nineties, uh, they all love Dan, know Dan. Uh, I haven't heard from Dan in a while, so I wanted to get, just get on here for a moment. We talked about relationships earlier. Dan, I'm sure you have my number still. You know how to get a hold of me. Dan, please do so. Um, our friend Don Mose and a few other folks, we still talk about you, and we hear you're doing well. Uh, he, he dealt with some battles in his life, and I'm glad to hear you're doing really well. So I just want to give a shout-out to Dan. You mean the world to me, buddy, and uh, I'm really happy that uh, you're joining us today on this broadcast. I miss you, buddy. So carry on, guys. Sorry, it's Absolutely. not a real Dave, but you know, it's not bad. Oh, it's a real Dave. <laughs> Dave it's a real Dave four. to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm legally changing my middle name to Dave Number Four. That's great. <laughs> we would love that. Well, Kev, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here today, man. Um, we're grateful for you taking the time um, to come on, hang out with us, talk some bowling, talk some life, talk some rapping, and uh, for everybody that um, wants to continue to follow Kev's journey. Make sure uh, you go to Facebook page, Dave number four, YouTube channel, Dave number, <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, it's uh, Kevin Williams, bowler slash artist on Facebook. It's Kevin Williams. Uh, is it K-Will Music? It's just Kevin Williams. Everything is just Kevin Williams. K-E-V-E-N. Yeah, K-E-V-E-N. All my handles right away. K-E-V-E-N on Instagram, YouTube. Kevin's dropping a lot of music right now. So lots of, lot. lots of his new music videos, trick shot videos, all that great stuff. Um, so thanks a lot, Kev. We appreciate anyone, it. And, uh, anyone uh, that uh, asked questions we didn't get to, just message me. Um, I always reply to everybody. I'm not too big time to reply to people. So if you have questions you actually want to know, just um, hit up any of my social medias and we can chat it up. Yeah, and keep doing your thing, man. That, that ping pong trick shot video was awesome. <laughs>
brought me keep back going. to the high school days. I used to do that all the time in high school. Keep doing it, man. Keep doing <laughs> it. And you're you're going to get a break in the music. I appreciate world. it. We're all rooting for you. We promote Absolute you as much button. as we can. Follow the guy on, on Spotify, on, on iTunes. Uh, click the play button. Get those numbers up. It helps him so much, everybody. Absolutely. It really does. Go check it out. It, I can't stress that enough. People look at something. And it doesn't have to be my music. Just any person that's building a brand, it doesn't take but 13 seconds to hit a share, a like, a comment. It, it really takes no time at all, and it helps those people tremendously. Inside bowling, um, if Matt was doing his um, you know, mental stuff as a coach, it doesn't take long just to hit share because you never know who's going to see it off that share. So right. it, it means a lot for anyone trying to build anything, not just me and my music. I speak for the world on that. Amen, brother. Amen. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you. All right. All right. My Another dude. great guest this week. Another great guest. Week of Dave's is is coming to a close here. Um, wow, man. Mike, who would have thought on beta testing week we would have had Dave Lamont, Dave Ryan, Dave Watka, and now Dave number four. I know. Dave number four. Honestly. Yeah, we could have talked forever with Kevin about Oh, really yeah. Kev's, Kev's one of those guys where you can talk about literally anything. Even if we don't know what we're talking about, we'll find a way to have a conversation around I, it. I think the other thing that needs to be said about this, too, is let's let's face it. Uh, the, the bowling world is, is a little bit older, uh, a little bit set in their ways, a little bit old school. Um, you know, to, I got a call yesterday from an, from an older gentleman that wrote a book about bowling that uh, contacted the United States Bowling Congress to get my contact information. They didn't give it to him, but they sent me an email and said, this guy wants to talk to you. And his name was John Scandella, I believe was his name, 93 years old. Wow. And he told me that he listened to the interview I did with Chad Murphy. And he said, he talked to me yesterday and awesome dude, awesome dude. And he's like, you're doing a service to bowling to you're a messenger. You're carrying the message on you're, you're doing uh, what, what did he call it when, uh, when you do a, a service for, for an industry and, and, and he, it was awesome. It was an awesome phone call. Yeah. But what I'm trying to get to here is he's writing me a handwritten letter and asked for my address to send it to me. And it just kind of reminds me that just how bowling is. I, I know he's an older gentleman, but in bowling, we're a little bit behind at times. I was talking to Mike Shady yesterday about how his, uh, I think it was his son or nephew or something, uh, installed a device on the end of a baseball bat for $99. And when you take a swing, you can look in the app and it says what's yellow, what's red, and what's, uh, what's green and what areas to work on and lesson plans to be able to work on that part of your swing. And he hit 20 home runs after getting this device in Little League or whatever it was. Wow. Um, and we don't have that in bowling right now. You got a landline there. See, that's another, yes. point. That's another point. You know, landlines, oh, bowlers, landlines, right? Even Matt with a landline there. But my point, and I know you can still hear me in the room there, Matt, um, is uh, rappers, right? Uh, our demographics aren't necessarily totally, uh, I wouldn't say that rap is the number one listened to music in bowling currently. So I feel like uh, people should go give his music a chance. And uh, maybe they're not even giving it a chance at all just because they just don't like the, the genre of, of rap music. So, right. But uh, I'll tell you, Savage Life, I bought the song 99 cents. Uh, Absolutely. You know, supported Kevin. Absolutely. And uh, for some reason in my phone, it's the first song in my phone. So whenever my Bluetooth connects to my car radio, it's Savage Life every single time. <laughs> After a while, you know, it's not like it's my favorite genre of music. I do like like some hip hop and stuff. But, right. you know, I know this song, Cole, you know. Oh, like, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and and Kevin and I actually got to perform that song in front of 10,000 people at Junior Gold. So I'll have, I'll forever have that song etched into my brain. And I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget the lyrics. To that the song. opportunities that exist in bowling. Could it's you crazy. have ever imagined that no. you would have been inside of a, of a, of a sold out arena performing yeah. a rap song as a hype man? Yeah, no, I, I never would have thought of that. And, you know, that's just unbelievable. That's just, yeah, that's just bowling for you, you know. I'm going to be on a webcast after this one on the, on the beef and Barnsey show. Yes. Make sure you guys go check that out. I am going to be drafting a team alongside Mookie Betts. I mean, like, can, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's really crazy. It is. It the, is the crazy. things that happen in this industry. Yeah. So. You never know. You really never know. That's why you just enjoy it. You take all the opportunities as they come. And uh, like I went to the white house and I got to meet the president of the United States because of bowling. Yeah. Yeah, it's I got to go to the Oval Office. Just these crazy things. You never know. You never know. And um, that's just a shout out to bowling. All the opportunities um, have been amazing. And 
I think we're all grateful for the sport and all the opportunities that it offers. Well, one one matter of business is we are running running along, and I do have another commitment here coming up. Yep. Uh, is is this USBC uh, broadcast today? The podcast with Jason Overstreet and uh, Chad Murphy. I watched all of it up until we started our show, and I only had a couple minutes left. Yeah. Uh, kudos to the USBC for doing the show. Great job. Uh, yeah. Kudos to 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 Chad and team uh, speaking publicly uh, about this uh, coronavirus and what we're all dealing with. Um, They've been publicly uh, pretty private for a while. Um, as far as uh, Chad is concerned, he, he he did the interview with me, which was awesome. And I really appreciated that opportunity and still do. And and today's uh, today's webcast was professionally done. Uh, it looked really good. And I think they picked some great panelists to have on there. I also thought it was interesting. You know, Lucas Wiseman used to work in that building and it moved on because of his wife uh, getting a job outside of the area because she's an unbelievable uh, weather person. Uh, Danielle is her name and she's awesome. And she loves bowling too, which is cool. And, uh, and, and to have, to have Lucas back in a USB set C setting and invited back uh, on behalf of flow sports, I thought was a really cool gesture uh, on the United States bowling Congress's part. And I thought Lucas asked some nice poised questions. Jean-Marc, of course, from, from bowlers journal, I think we could all learn something from the way Jean-Marc oh, yeah. goes about uh, putting together his journalism, whether if it's through his weekly podcast, which you should go listen to each week, or, or just through how he writes in, in Bowler's Journal, and another awesome guy in bowling. And of course, Tim Berg, who's been doing the Above180.com podcast for years. So great job to those guys over there. And J.O., I think he's a very underrated host. He, he did a tremendous job today. J.O.'s, J.O.'s a sleeper, man. He's, yeah. uh, he's, 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 he's incredible. He's a great guy, very well-spoken, very, very, very intelligent. Um, so just a great job of them. I think everybody always appreciates transparency and, you know, like knowing what's going on. And I think, you know, answering those questions really helps put everybody at ease and understand, you know, that bowling's not going anywhere. We're going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. Things are going to change for sure moving forward. Uh, but at the end of the day, we'll all be back out on the lane soon and have a great time and make more memories together. Yep, absolutely. So, Matt, it's been a great week. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to do this week. We do want to thank everybody for tuning in and watching our thank program so this week. Uh, we are going to put together some graphics and start promoting the show a little bit more starting next week. Don't forget, you can support us if you like this type of show and you want to help support us in any way. You can head to InsideBowling.com. You can use the coupon code MF2 for Matt and I, uh, and it's uh, 15% off over there. We got some cool stuff. I, I drink out of a tumbler every day, Inside Bowling tumbler. You can pick one of these guys up right here or just whatever you'd like to get. I try not to uh, sell too much on this podcast, but uh, – but it, it does help us out a great deal. Nate and the folks that print all the shirts and everything would, would appreciate it as well. They've got two babies and uh, they've got three goats and everything else, right? Right now, <laughs> our, uh, our stuff. So three Michael Jordans. So Matt, thanks. Uh, thanks for everything and happy birthday to you again. Thank man. you, man. Thank you. Thank you for making this a special birthday. I'll certainly uh, never forget this one quarantine birthday. Hopefully this is the last quarantine birthday of my lifetime, but I was glad that I got to spend it with you and Kev. Um, and it was just, it was a blast. So thanks, man. Make sure you guys tune in to the Beef and Barnsey show, the Stu and Barnsey. I don't know what they, I, it is Beef and Barnsey, I'm pretty sure. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're going live on Facebook and I believe YouTube as well to do this PBA Fantasy Draft right now, actually, in two minutes. It's going to feature uh, Mike Flanagan, Mookie Betts, Chris Barnes, Stu Williams. Awesome. Um, awesome. Chad Murphy's also going to be there, right? So, and Jeff uh, Goodger, yep. And Jeff Goodger, what an all-star cast! I don't know how Mike got in there. I don't either. Yeah, make sure the first fantasy draft or the first uh, mock draft was incredible. Uh, so make sure you guys go check that out. It's going to be fun. Mike's in it, so it's always going to be a blast. So thank you everybody for tuning in today. We appreciate it. Yep, and we'll see everybody on Monday where we'll be joined by Randy Peterson, Stone Eight RP. So thanks for watching, everybody. No music on the outro today. Just uh, have a safe and blessed weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Take care. So there it is, our episode with Kevin Williams. Hopefully you enjoyed that one today on Matt's birthday. Being in quarantine here during the coronavirus, I'm not sure when you're going to be listening to this back, but uh, we are right in the middle of coronavirus, and that's really the reason why we started doing the show. And we wanted to make sure that Matt had a good birthday, not being able to go out and do basically much of anything. And he and Kevin are close. They room together at the World Series of Bowling, and, and they've become really good friends. We wish Kevin Williams nothing but the best in the future with his music career. And just a reminder, you can go follow him at Kevin Williams on all social media platforms. Kevin's music is available where you find music everywhere like iTunes and Spotify. 
On the show, we talked about how Kevin needs to get himself mentally better prepared for the PBA Tour, and when it does resume, we wish Kevin nothing but the best when he gets out there. It would be absolutely awesome to see Kevin Williams be able to make a television show and win that first PBA title like we all dream one day that we could do. That wraps up beta testing week and Dave week, so we appreciate Kevin taking the name Dave for us today. We do return the following week with five new guests as we try to progress the show and move it forward. We appreciate you listening to our podcast and hope you enjoy all upcoming episodes. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to our first four episodes, we encourage you to do so. That's it for today's post show. Everybody stay safe and stay healthy.